Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. If you want to follow us there, it's at Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. It's always much appreciated. But today, I'm joined by the voice of the Washington Commanders and ESPN 630 host, Bram Weinstein, as we rehash the 24-14 preseason loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot to dissect, starting with the defense and the third downs in particular. Why is that still a problem? Why it remains a concern, even though it's only preseason. It's still a concern because of what they showed last year. We get into all of that. Dive into Carson Wentz. There's some really good to look at, and there are a couple things where we say, okay, maybe this is what holds him back a little bit. Is, he, is the offense better with him? Well, yes. So we get into all that as well. The offensive line, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and much more. A lot to dissect. So I'm going to get right to it. By the way, you can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW, at RealBramW, and you can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. Having said all that, let's get to my conversation with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. All right, Bram. So I think the big question is now after these first two games, is this team going to win a game this year? <laughs> the hard-hitting questions to start it all. Uh, that one, I, I really, I was completely unconcerned after the Carolina game. Like there were some mistakes, obviously, and you expect mistakes. Um, yesterday wasn't great. I mean, you know, I like you, I have not rewatched it yet. So it's really hard for me to, to really give right. a true opinion, but just in reacting off of the first quarter, that was not good. And, you know, like Pat Mahomes did a couple of things that only he does. And so I'll take that with a grain of salt, like that crazy, you know, right off his back foot, you know, throw back against his body play. And even like the separating play for him is third when they got that redo third and 10 and he's got a guy in his face and he hits, right. you know, 40 yard dime to a guy in the center of the field who's not even a starting receiver. Like those are things that he does. And, and that stuff like concerns me little, because what are you going to do about it when you're playing somebody who's that good? Um, that said, um, what was he on pace for 600 yards passing? Uh, they could literally couldn't stop them on third down. Uh, there's a lot to be concerned about. And and I'm more concerned, obviously, about the defense than I am the offense, because I think there was a, there's a lot of things that were happening yesterday that I think I don't want to go too too far being critical about because they were really undermanned. Well, and offensively, I think there was there are definitely more positives to build on. So we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. But let's stick with the defense because that's the issue here. And and I'm obviously being facetious when I say, you know, ask that kind of a question. So for people listening, I was just kidding. I think they'll win games this year. But the question is, how many will they win? And it comes back to this D. And the problem is that this is what we saw last year. I think if this defense had been better in those areas, I think the panic level or the frustration level or concern level would be lower but they weren't good there. And so that's that's where that's why I'm focusing on that side of the ball too and Ron Rivera brought up rush discipline. That was something that was an issue last year too. How big a concern is that and do you feel like they can get that? 
fixed. He's vocalizing it again. Here right. we are at the end of camp. He's vocalizing it again. Last year, he described it with the vague term maturity. And this is what he meant, actually, that he wanted them to play within the context of their scheme using the techniques that they're trying to teach them. There was a lot of pushback and a lot of friction. Came to a head this summer with the firing of a defensive line coach in the middle of camp, which had it happened six months ago, I wouldn't have been surprised one bit. Just the timing of it was unusual. So getting the message across and getting them to play within the context of the way they want them to play has been a struggle for sure. And even when I talked to him, uh, Coach Rivera, a few days ago before the game, he did kind of bring it up again. And so he's vocalizing this. Like he's starting to say it again that we're asking them to do something. We've been pushing them to do it for two plus years. We're not getting the results that we want. And, you know, he'll readily admit they these are very singularly talented people, but they're asking them to play a certain way. They don't want them taking two gaps. They want them to take one. They want them to go vertical. They do not want them to, for lack of a better word, freelance. And it's funny, like you saw it a lot, you know, now that he like kind of brought a lot of attention to it. How many times did that third string quarterback just kind of run through gaping holes oh, yeah. in the there was, of their defense? And there were just wide gaping holes. It wasn't like he was spooked and just running. He like there's wide gaping holes. And I think it does without, you know, speaking for the coaches, because I'd rather hear it from them. It kind of falls in line with what they're concerned about. They have these really talented people who just aren't playing in the context of the defense that they want them to. And I'm glad yesterday didn't count because they were exposed pretty badly. And I thought it was pretty interesting that that he's bringing it up again because I've said this for a long time. And, you know, I, I love all the upgrades to the offense. I think the offense should be way more competitive, should be way more explosive, should be able to score a lot more points, should be able to hold up its end of the bargain differently than than in the last couple of years under Rivera. I still believe that the defense of the defensive line, that's the unit that will take this team as far as it will go. And if they're not going to be productive or they're not going to be game changing or they're not at least in the eyes of the coaches play team football the way that they want to play team football they're going to have a problem so mm -hmm. and they're going to have a problem against quarterbacks like that like that's where they're going to really have a problem well and sticking with the rush discipline too and and you bring up the backups and obviously those are backups but yeah some of those backups are going to have to play Effie Obata a couple of times I don't I don't know I don't know if it was necessarily him, but you see guys out, you see a gap created, like, well, who might be out of their lane? And there are a couple of times maybe it's him in the but but he's less of a concern than some of those starters doing that. But the funny thing is, and when on some of those third downs, I'm not even sure that it was rush discipline because Mahomes just bought time. I think there were other examples, not so much on third down, but there's also in some cases defensive backs not sticking to their guy tight enough. Like there was one that McCain was in coverage and he's you know, it was a, it started off his zone, but you get you lock on your guy, and he takes a peek over here. And for Mahomes, that's all you need because now the guy's open enough. Where well, you're going to throw that? You know, Curl gets beat on one of those plays too, and those are guys that have to be better in those situations. But it starts with the rush. If if the D line is going to be your bell cow, as they've talked about for a couple of years, they have to be better and get home a little bit more right yeah. um oh and yeah of course and and even in the case of like you know you're bringing up those were backups those were their prime backups that's what i'm saying that's like, what i mean this, like, like, that's, that this was is my not point. the classic there were four or five guys right. out there that, that was my point on that too yes yeah actually like that was the backups like those are the guys who are going to be 
you know, defensive linemen six through nine on right. this roster that were doing the same thing. So that's why I bring like I'm not gonna, you know, go after third and four stringers and have a hard time making the team, but like that's that is what was happening. Like the starters played a long time yesterday. Like for the most part, they played a long time. I think the offense would have gone longer had it not been for all the injuries and the concern that went into it. But they actually played longer than I expected them to based on that. But defensively, they kept most of the starters out there. Actually, they stayed out there after Mahomes was done. So, like, this was as dress rehearsally as they could get. They played an elite team, right? A team that, like, is in the AFC Championship every single year and wins 12 games every single year. And they didn't look ready for primetime. So, and I'll hear out all the spin, you know, about we're not showing everything and, and I'll hear all of that. And the game doesn't count. I'll hear all that out too. And that, you know, don't believe exactly what you see in the summer. Things can change in the fall. I've seen this a million times. So I'm not making any rash judgments here. But if you just go off of, they put some stock into, this is the one where we're going to play our guys a little bit longer. They played an elite team. It's a measuring stick game. They failed yesterday. I mean, there's no way, there's no other way to look at that, really. Well, and I think the other thing, too, along with that is if you're showing things that are cons that win consistently, again, you go back to the rush discipline, you consistently show that. And listen, sometimes you get shoved out of your lane. We know that. Like, it, it happens. And But if, you're, if it's happening consistently, then it becomes an issue. So that, to me, is more troubling than whatever the score is because over time, consistency wins with, the, what you, with approach and all that. When you see certain penalties happening, that's what gets you in trouble as well. And so I think that's where the frustration comes in, that you can control those more than, hey, you're not game planning or you're not doing this or that. And there were times where Mahomes just makes a Mahomes play, and so you have to live with some of those. But yeah. did you put yourself in position to defend that play? Could you do that better? And the answer in some cases is absolutely yes. And the more you do that, the better off you are. So while that's a good team, like as you said, and – you know, I think there's some things that were troubling that came out of that because of some discipline aspects as much as anything. Yeah. I mean, it, it's frustrating. You know, it really is because it's funny, like a lot of these things that we were talking about last year and, the, and even the year before then, they're happening again. And right. again, I don't want to go too far because it's preseason and in a week, this record will be zero and zero again. So, I, and so you know, it sounds worse than it really is. And everything's clean slate in a week and a half. But like there are things that have been overarching issues for this team and has led to it not being able to have an over 500 record the first two years here. Slow starts in games. They've been behind 10 nothing and 14 nothing to starters, right? To start both of these games. And in the case of the Chiefs, I mean, that was scary bad, actually, for a quarter, the way they were just literally walked down the field on them. And again, Mahomes did a couple of things that I, I really, I, I don't, he'll do that to everybody and it'll make you look bad. But that's largely when you're six for six on third down and you have two 80 plus yard drives and they make it look easy um, and they're scoring in third down situations in the red zone. You know, that's a little on you, you know, that's a little on you and they oh, need yeah. to take responsibility for that. You know, so they're starting slow in halves. They come out, they start slow. They've been behind in so many games the last couple of years. So here we go again with that. You know, where it's, they're starting slow. Same thing with the second half. They start slow in the second half. So every time they come out of the locker room, four halves, they start slow. Um, the last couple of years, they've built, they've, you know, with slow starts that have been losses early in the season, they've dug themselves giant holes. They better not do it this time. Like, their schedule is totally set up for them for that not to happen. Right. So, you know, I think what the big fear now off of seeing this for a couple of weeks is 
Are they going to lose to Jacksonville? Because to your point, they're going to win games. Like, I'm not worried about that. Like, the normal course for them is things tighten up, things get better, they make adjustments, but it feels a little late on the adjustment side often. And if they end up losing games to Jacksonville and Detroit, they are going to really regret it this time around. And I don't know that they're going to dig out of the hole and get to the places that they want to get to. Well, that's been my my concern with this with this with the last two years is that are this slow adjustment. Sometimes it takes three or four games to discover something that you probably could have known better in the summertime, wh- whether it's through more preseason play, whether it's just through different kind of practice, whatever, joint practices, whatever. And that it's been slow to adjust, whether it's Collins or Troy Apke a couple of years ago, et cetera. Um, then I think, you know, that's, that's where some of the concern is to your point. And listen, all we have to go, like, you're right in, in a week and a half, it's zero, zero, you're looking ahead, and that's all that matters. But this is all we have to go on right now. It's another step in the process. So we have to kind of go off what we're seeing right now. And, you know, that that's where it becomes troubling. Are you concerned with the secondary, the back seven, or is it more just the front has to get it right? Oh, man. I mean, I, I need to rewatch to really answer that. But um, I, Kendall Fuller's just had a great camp. Like yeah. a really, really, really great camp. He was terrific yesterday in the game. It was tested over and over and over. And he was he stood out to me. Yeah. I am less concerned about the back seven than I thought I would be. I could be proven wrong about that in the season. Um, I know Jackson had a bad penalty that gave them a second chance. You know, on, on first glance, I didn't think it was that bad, but again, I haven't really rewatched it. Anyway, they called it. You got so it whatever. Man. It, it didn't feel it deserved a flag in real time, but whatever. So I, I, I don't, I am less concerned about the back seven than I am about the front. I really feel like the pressure needs to be put on those guys. Like that that's going to be the group that's going to determine whether they're a good defense or not. They need to be disruptive and they need to make plays. And I don't see a lot of it here. And, uh, you know, and I'm not going to blame not having Chase Young for it. Like no. they, they need to... They Montez Sweat is talented. For them. Right. Montez Sweat is talented with or without Chase Young out there. Right. If you so want a big, out. so is Payne. Right. Yeah. If you want a big contract, you can you can survive without Chase Young being on the other side. You can still make plays. And I think that's what they have to get to. I mean, nobody looks better coming off the bus than Montez Sweat, right? You know, the way he runs and moving, and not just put all on him, but he's a guy that can be a playmaker for them. And, you know, so I think that has to get done. What about the linebackers? I think Jamin Davis is getting better, actually. Um, I'll have to rewatch to look at him, but I think he's getting better. Um, I, you know, I thought the way Jack Del Rio described it when he met with the media earlier this week was was pretty apt. And what I've kind of seen, like, he's just like it's it's just kind of it's coming faster to him. Like it's clearly coming faster to him. He is where he needs to be uh, more often than not. Where he's flashing on the screen a little bit more now. And so I think that's a really good positive development. You know, I, I, I think there was a lot of concern. It still should be at the linebacker position. But actually through the first couple of weeks of the preseason, I kind of like Holcomb and Davis. Um, and I think that those two have shown up and I feel a little better about the position there. I still think they don't have much depth, obviously. So an injury could be devastating for them. And, you know, when Holcomb gets caught in coverage with really good tight ends or really good running backs, it's going to be a problem. And that's just, I, I think that's 
if the coaches are expecting him to be really good at that, I think that's a really hard, that's a hard ask, I think, for him. But when it comes to, you know, the the responsibilities of playing the position, I am less concerned than I was going into the season. And with Davis, um, I see him making plays now. And so I think it's coming along for him. And, you know, if he becomes an impact player, it's a big deal for them. He had a couple of nice stops in the hole yesterday, um, filled it pretty well. He also had one time where on a, it was like a 12-yard completion, something like that, inside the red zone where the running back comes out. He starts to rush. Looks like he he hesitates because I, I don't know if he's supposed to take the back or rush, but he got caught in between with, in mentally, and he kind of hesitated, Start kept rushing a little bit more, but not full out, and the running back leaks for an easy pickup that looked like it was his guy. And so – but that was that that was one thing that on the negative side for him. But I did see him filling the hole a lot better, um, continuing to fill that better. So, you know, I, I think second with the secondary, Derek Forrest, I think, has done a nice job when he's been in there. And I think that and he's done it. He's done a nice job in special teams on, as a, a the punt protector. Um, so I think and he's usually one of the first guys down covering the punt. So that he's I think he's going to help as probably another DeShazer Everett type. So I think that that's been a positive back there. Still concerned about the secondary depth, but that's injuries. Let's flip to the offense, offensive side of the ball and the starters. A couple nice drives going, couldn't convert on third down. What did you think? Yeah, you know, I think that's the missed opportunities of, of yesterday was the offense was, how many times were they in Kansas City territory and punted? So they were right around midfield three times on the starters. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there's there's something there to look at and find out what's going on there. Um, I will say, like, just overall again, while the results weren't there with scoring, which is a disappointment, um, I do feel like Wentz is kind of in control here. And, you know, while I'm not really sure how much they're showing, um, and I think that's a good thing for them, honestly, because like, why would you show what you're going to do when you have so many different pieces? Uh, the parts that they are working on seem to be comfortable for him. Like all the stuff, kind of the wild, like, oh man, he's going to be all over the place or he has no confidence or he's going to look terrible. I don't see any of that. Like, uh, you know, you can nitpick a lot of things and we can do that here if you want to. But just largely a comfort level part of it, I actually feel pretty good through a couple of weeks for him, albeit with not much in terms of results. And yesterday, what's disappointing, and like not unlike I would say about the Carolina game, where if you went and looked at the stats, like, and it's so hard to do this because it's a preseason game and all these different people play, but if you went and looked at the stats of the Carolina game, um, they gave up 288 yards in total. The Carolina quarterbacks were 17 of 38. They rushed 30 times for 90 yards. Like these are all like winning metrics, huge winning metrics, but they turned the ball over two times. They had a bunch of penalties, you know, and they lost like that's how they lost. Like realistically in this one, like I would look back and go, the defense is going to have a hard time stopping Kansas city in general. Cause it's Pat Mahomes in Kansas city and they were getting lit up. Um, if you can't convert third downs on the opposite side of the 50 and you're punting the ball, you will lose. So the situational football part of this for the first couple of weeks, there's a lot left to be desired for sure. But if you're just like, is this guy comfortable? Does he look like, you know, he's going to play a little more like the guy we remember in Philadelphia and a little less like the guy we heard about in Indianapolis? I feel actually pretty good. And I did think the one thing I thought that was interesting that they did a lot of yesterday 
was they purposefully put him under center like over and over and over and over and over. So clearly they want to work with that aspect of his game for this particular team. And I agree with it because he is really good pre-snap with ball fakes and putting him under center, I think gives them a look of, are they going to run or are they going to throw and gives him some comfort level as they kind of shift around the running back room a little bit. So I actually thought like last week I saw the, we're going to put Curtis Samuel in motion constantly and see if that helps him, I think, uh, in terms of pre-snap read. And this week, point of emphasis was put him under center and run plays out of it and start to get comfortable in real time doing it from that formation. Play action is going to be, that's yes. that's going to be a key there. So Very good at play action. Very good at ball fakes. Very good at getting the ball out very fast. Like that's the stuff last year that I watched when people were complaining about him, where I'm like, he was excellent at that stuff. And so clearly there are some, th- that's the glorified practice of part of it that I saw yesterday. They just did it so many times that it was obvious that that was something they wanted to work on. And and I think his comfort level is definitely growing. I think he's starting to develop more of a connection with Terry McCorney, that one nice 18 yard ball over the middle where yeah. he throws to a spot in zone coverage, thrown to a spot and McLaurin is there. So you see McLaurin, as soon as McLaurin cut, it's a deep dig, cuts inside, and ball's coming, right? And so, and it was there. And so um, that's where you start to see it. What we saw yesterday, too, with him is there are a couple of things that I think hurt, hurt that, I shouldn't say hurt, but something, some of his flaws show up. So if you remember, he sails the ball to Gibson, right? Yep. On that little out. Gibson is there, but he doesn't. And this is one thing I know is if he doesn't transfer his weight, that ball's going high. And on this one, it was all bad. It was no weight transfer. Ball goes up, goes over his head. Missed opportunity um, with that one. Curtis Samuel, the one where you remember the bootleg rollout gets to the Samuel. I would like to have seen him get rid of that ball quicker because Curtis. The yes, deep, he the was late on, with that. Right. The I quarter agree. on that side is retreating. Mm-hmm. You see that now you get maybe a first down five yards, but you're still okay. One that to- one felt like uh, he wanted to take a shot, realized it wasn't right. there, got right. it to Samuel a little bit late, right. and just didn't maximize and the play. But I agree with you. Purpose. In real time, it was had he gotten that out of his hands, that's first down for sure. Right, and and, and that again, the, some of this is nitpicking because I think that by and large, he's going to be a good quarterback for them, better than what they've had. We've com- I agree. consistently said that, so I'm not yeah. worried about that. And this, some of this is nitpicking. But then the sack was another example where it's a two man route. And it's not open down the field. And you've got Gibson for six yards. Get that six, seven yards back. Get a field goal. Protect the points and get something on the board. But then it's like try to extend the play. And then the DN spins off of the double team and boom, he's done. So, the, but that's another one where, again, like you got, and, and he even said this protect those points. He knows that he shouldn't have taken the sack there. But that's one where people say, does he hold the ball too long? That's, is that an example of that where you have the check down and, you know, but he's looking for the first down or the bigger play. Yeah. Um, and that, again, you know, I, don't know I if saw that- a lot of it last year that where I felt like he held the ball a tick too long, a lot. It got him in trouble. Um, and that's why, like, I think from the get go, we started talking about this stuff months ago, like the slow developing stuff to me is where you potentially put yourself in danger with him um, because he does, he is apt to hold on to it, you know, maybe a second longer than he should. And whether that's a internal timing thing 
that he could work on a little bit that all the really good quarterbacks have. They know they've got to get rid of it at this specific point in time or whether, you know, he does have some ability that a lot of quarterbacks don't. I think he knows this and he feels like he can buy himself a little bit more time. I have found in recent years in watching him that that's gotten him in more trouble than it's been successful. But I do want to like, you know, I think it's worth pointing out here because what was it last week? We were talking to some of our colleagues and, you know, they were talking about, you know, him and like, there's just this kind of like overarching, he was really bad in Indianapolis, like thing that just kind of keeps percolating up when we talk about him. And if they don't have success and I'm sitting there going, the guy threw 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Like it, like, he did not have a bad season. Like, was he like, was he great? No. Was he Pro Bowl? No. Like, all these things we're talking about, like, was he a little late with the ball? Was he inaccurate at times? Like, yeah, and those are the concerning things about him. But this kind of overarching, he's, like, terrible thing, I don't know. I don't understand where it came from. And even through the, you know, wonkiness of the first couple of weeks of camp, I don't know how anyone's still coming to that conclusion right now. Like, they're better with him, like Definitely. considerably better with him. Is he perfect? No. Like, does he look like he's going to be a top five quarterback right now? No. You know, but like he makes them way better, way more explosive, and they are holding a ton back right now. Yes. So until we see it in the first few weeks, it's just so hard for me to come to any other conclusion. Then I actually feel more comfortable with him. Then I did at the start of camp or the first couple of weeks of camp where there was just a lot of inaccuracy in practice and it got me worried. Right. And I listen, and I acknowledge what the, the stuff I'm picking at is what keeps him out of the top 10 right now. Yeah. Those three plays. Yes. He's still a definite upgrade for them. And he's, they, he still makes them better. And there are plenty of examples where it's like, that's just a good throw. He has some times where he's looking left and he's coming back, working back, and he's side-arming it almost to Armani Rodgers, and he picked up that little crosser underneath. A little yeah. bit high, but Rodgers has a, it makes a nice grab, you know, and it's a good job by Wentz getting around under. It wasn't complete duress, but he can get around quick and gets that quick twitch out, and he did that last week, and he showed it again this week. That's an example of where that arm, special arm talent comes in is that you see that with him. So he's definitely an upgrade, and he's – like I said, I think the encouraging thing to me is the connection that he has that he's developing with McLaurin. And the other thing, too, is what that arm does, like that little tunnel screen to McLaurin. Because he gets it out there so fast, the defense has a harder time getting to – it gives you an extra yard or two of cushion to make a move and get yards after the catch. And you saw that on like that little tunnel screen with to McLaurin that he gets yards after the catch in part because of Wentz's arm. So just to be clear with people when you talk about this, there are things that hold him back a little bit and things he does very well. And I agree with you. It's almost like people think he was Nathan Peterman, for God's sake. And, right. They, and they, they talk quite, about it like he was terrible last year. Like that, it, that's become like this overarching thing. And that was never the case. Like <laughs> I was nitpicking him to death off of what he did. And I'll, you know, reiterate all the things that I'm concerned about and some of the stuff about holding the ball a little bit too long. Or doing some of the Pat Mahomesy things that only Pat Mahomes does well, and that's why he's Pat Mahomes. But Wentz tries some of that stuff. All that stuff is concerning to me, but it doesn't change the fact that on like the level of capability and the level of possibility with him, he's a massive upgrade yes. from what they've had, and it's clear as day when you watch it. And then you know, lastly on him, and I know we're not talking about this, but I, it needs to be said every time I hear this. The guy's a hard worker. 
He's a good teammate. And, and by all experience that I've had with him so far, seems to be like a really good person who does relate to people. So all of this character assassination, because it came up again with Jim Ursay unsolicited, yeah. saying things about him holding them back. And that got in the news cycles again. This guy has been just completely assassinated. His character has been assassinated. And I haven't seen a whiff of any of that. And maybe like they also haven't lost the real game yet. So let's see how it goes when they lose a real game. I haven't seen any of this. So I'm I'm really, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm starting to get defensive of him because I don't see a bad player. I'm no, hoping he not. would be a great player, but he's not there right now. I didn't even think he would acknowledge that at this point. But all this other stuff that's said about him, it just feels at least in our limited experience with him, just not who he is and not true. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of callousing up now. Like this is, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what happened last year. But they did him wrong on the way out is the way I feel about it at this point. First thing is, it's, I'm a little, I don't know once he's living rent-free in his head or what, but like the fact that he keeps bringing it up or, or and I know people ask a guy about it and he's going to answer, but at some point I would just say, listen, we've moved on. But it's like, it does, it does feel like going out, not going out of the way, but certainly um, unafraid to continue the whatever he wants to say about him, and it just he just wants to blame bit, him for them bad. not making the playoffs. Yeah. Like I don't get it. I I just like don't even I I've never seen anything like this. It's the owner doing it too. It's really uh-huh. weird. Like it it's is. really 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 weird. And I I don't know. Like I I don't know what. And only they know what it is. But right. then all I can do is go back and watch them, and I'm like that guy was nine and three at one point in the middle of the season. He wasn't bad. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, again, like, he's not a bust quarterback. He wasn't, he didn't have seven touchdowns and 13 picks. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And so let's, let's move on a little bit. Cause the O-line, it's funny because one of the reasons he wasn't going to play more was because the O-line he's missing basically three, you know, there's two starting guards. And then Charles Leno was out because for a medical thing, I think he, I don't know if he was just sick or what, but minor thing what, from what we understand. But um, so you're missing three stars on the line. I felt they did a pretty good job of protecting him. I thought like, I mean, I know you haven't had a chance to watch, but like when I'm watching Sadiq Charles, I thought he did a nice job. And that's to me is an encouraging thing. If that kid can stay healthy, because I, you know, he's got the talent to take over at some point. And I think with these guards, he's going to need to play more. But what did you think of the line in general? I was very nervous (laughs) about that yesterday. Um, and I think it just derailed everything that they wanted to do, at least initially, which was they were going to play everybody for a half. And there was just no way that they felt comfortable between the line and the tight ends. This guy, Aaron Montero, who is all of a sudden thrust into a starting position and played both guards yesterday for practically the entire game because they're out of people. Um, I thought did a pretty good job. There was one glaring one in the second half, but he was playing the whole game, you know, like as someone who's deep on the bench, uh, Lucas has barely practiced and was playing left tackle and they had him on a pitch count. Rulier's making his debut and they got him on a pitch count. Um, we saw Cosme practicing a guard in the middle of the week because they're running out of people Nobody, and they just, they're running out of people. So I think they got through. I hope the Leno thing is not serious. I hope the Schweitzer thing uh-huh. is not serious. I hope Norwell comes back soon because if they don't, there's going to have to be a contingency plan. When I asked Rivera about it last week, he said they're not there yet with that. 
but there's no way they're not thinking about it because there's just too much attrition. But to your point, I actually felt like they protected pretty well. Yeah. They actually ran the ball pretty well. And the Matsko magic continues because I don't know how they did it. Frankly, that was a terrible matchup for them yesterday. But that's what I'm saying. So like that was, but again, I've never worried about their depth up front, but they've got to keep guys healthy. And it is concerning that Norwell and Turner are not out there and neither is West Schweitzer because you get to the regular season and you don't want to be going with this guard tandem. Although, like I said, I was encouraged by what I saw from Sadiq Charles. Let's see if that continues. What about Brian Robinson? Looked good. Um, I don't know that we have a running back controversy, but it is certainly arrows pointing up on eight, getting the majority of rushes when we go into kind of a standard operating procedure offense. Um, you saw how they utilized Gibson in space. And I think in space, he might be their best performer. So maybe they've just come around to, it feels like we're just done trying to figure out how to make him a productive, consistent inside the tackle rusher. We are going to use him. He is going to be a big part of all the things that we do, but we drafted a guy who has the pedigree to do this. <laughs> so I think we're just kind of seeing this in real time. I didn't expect this to happen. I think that's why it caught us all off guard. And that fumble seems to have gotten a little bit of throw your hands up from the staff. And they've just decided we, we don't, trust him that way um and they know that he's too important and too good of an impact player to not have him on the field so he's going to play and he's going to play a lot and he's going to have carries you know like any other running back would but it's pretty clear now that the ship is sailing on the idea that brian robinson's gonna carry a small amount of the load he's not like it, like i think that's that's been exposed here but what I like about Robinson especially is, first of all, when he's going through the hole, watch him, two hands covering the ball, and he's he's lower, right? So you're, he's, you're coming at his shoulders, and he does that consistently, always leaning forward. And I love that because he may not, he's not going to be explosive, but if you can get that three, four, five, six, seven yards consistently, then you're consistently putting yourself in good situations. And I think that's what he does. There was one time with Gibson, too, and I still like Gibson. I still think he can help in space and all that. But one of the things that troubled them last year that I remember talking to coaches about is that if you see a defensive back in the hole, attack them. Don't turn away from them and try and go outside. And his first carry yesterday was a minus one, and he's going to the outside, 32. Safety's up in the hole, but it's kind of a bigger hole. Lower your shoulder and just go at him. Get three or four yards. But he tried to bounce wide, and the tight ends are, you know, Wolf and, and Rogers have the double team comes off and makes a stop for minus one, you could have had three or four. And that's the kind of run that they want to see. And that's what Robinson has done consistently. So I think that's a difference. But but Gibson in space, they can motion him out of the backfield. They like him in the backfield. I know everybody said, oh, he was a receiver in college. He would have been a raw talent at receiver. But using him as a weapon out of the backfield in that role can be very good for you. And, you know, they didn't have McKissick yesterday, so he's handling that role. So I still think he can play. But I think Robinson's consistency – May, may will be the difference for this staff. Um, what anything else jump out of you, Armani? Your your guy, Armani Rogers, to me just keeps getting better. Yeah, I think. Well, they had to lean on him. I mean, they had no choice. That was that was as thin as it could possibly get. Um, and they were nervous. I frankly, yeah. the coaches told me they were nervous about how much they were going to you know lean on Rogers and Eli Wolf to play because that's yeah. it. That's all they had. So 
Let's see where the injury situation is with some of these other guys for this week. I have a feeling you're going to hear a couple of veteran names come in, if for nothing else, to get through this Ravens game um, so that they have enough able bodies to do it. Um, uh, and I, you know, listen, I, I think he's, he's a, he's a good, he's a great camp story. Like the guy was a quarterback in college. They're converting him. He caught my eye early. Um, he's very smooth when he runs, he clearly kind of gets it. He's just a football player. You know, I'd have to ask the coaches about the blocking part of it, because I'm sure that is quite a transition to the NFL for him. But when it comes down to the idea of, can he be a viable option as a tight end? He looks the part to me. And at this point, considering what's happened, it feels very likely he's going to make the team. I mean, I've heard nothing about Logan Thomas coming back anytime soon. So he, you know, hopefully Bates is healthy and is their number one. Hopefully Cole Turner gets to play a little bit here. and We find out, you know, what he's about when we get him in some real games. But right now I'd say Rodgers is at this juncture a lock to make the team as the third until Thomas can come back. I liked what I saw from Rodgers in the blocking game yesterday. And I think he's done it. I think he has steadily improved there. And I like, I like his chances a lot now to make this roster just because of his improvement there. Cause that was a key. We know he runs well and there's some, he's got to, there's some details of routes that he's, I'm sure he's got to get better at, but the blocking I felt like was good. He, you know, those sift blocks behind the line does a nice job there. And I felt like even at the line, he did a good job of working his feet to get an advantage on some guys that was an improvement to me. So that was good to see in, in that regard. So, you know, the other thing, last thing too, the one thing offensively, you're right. Like we've, I've heard this past week, like you guys, it basically they've shown us nothing in camp, what they're going to do. And those last couple of weeks when the practices are closed to the media is when they're going to start to put in a lot of stuff that we'll see in the regular season. And so I'll be curious to see how much it changes. Then it's going to change too when you do get a Logan Thomas back and J.D. McKissick is back when he wasn't there yesterday, but is he a part of the offense with Thomas out there? It changes things for for this offense. So I'll be curious to see where it goes. I'm I'm more encouraged by what we've seen there than by what by what we haven't seen. And the last thing I'm defense, Bram, no turnovers. This group needs to start forcing more. They don't. It's one thing to be bad on third down. They don't force turnovers either. It's it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a good combo. Well, thanks, Bram, for coming on, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back on Monday with another practice report. I'll talk to you next time.